Good afternoon. Good afternoon. Thank you so much for joining me. This is the lovely podcast, God's Holy Word. I am your lovely host, Leslie Sullivan, and I just wanted to talk to you about something that happened to me today. It's kind of a it's a good thing and uh, I guess a enlightening kind of thing, I guess you could say. But I just wanted to kind of make a point that it's it's important who we are around. and also what kind of influence we have on other people and also what influence people have on us. So I was around some family members today and one of my family members was being really negative about really old people, about how they can't see, they can't hear and you know they're in their 80s so that's why it's happening and I said, "Well, why don't you why don't you pray for them?" And she just kind of looked at me. I said, "Well, God can heal that. Why don't you just pray for him?" She goes, "Oh, well, that's true." And it just like it kind of felt like a light bulb came on in her head. So, and what it what it kind of dawned on me was that sometimes people associate death and disease with the elderly. Death and death and disease can occur at any time in your life, which hopefully it doesn't happen until you're like well over a hundred. But I think sometimes. we can get negative about other people and think well you know this is what is supposed to happen to your body this is how it's supposed to be and that's not true when you're living in the blessing of god and and when you believe in god you're not supposed to just accept anything less than god's best like if i was losing my hearing i would ask god to restore my hearing and to heal it If I was having problems with my eyesight, which I have had problems in the past with my eyesight, I asked God to heal me and he did. And so, it's one of those things that I think we get in a bad habit of just going, well, I've reached 30. This is what's going to happen to me when I get to be 30. This is what is going to happen to me when I reach 40. This is what is going to happen to me when I reach 50 and then 60, 70, 80, 90. Like we just think it's all downhill and it's not. Nowhere in the Bible Does it say that we're supposed to just assume that things are going to go downhill in our life the older we get? If anything, it's the opposite. We're supposed to grow in the blessing of God. We're supposed to acquire more wealth. We're supposed to be even healthier the next day than the previous day. We're supposed to have youth and vitality even on the day of our death. Like we're like for example with Moses, it says in God's holy word that when Moses passed away, his eyes were not dim. like he still had a youthful appearance he he was still very much i guess a very lively individual even though he was way older but it was his time to go up to heaven so i think it's important to remember that we are all God's children regardless of our age because i've learned that the more i grow in my faith the more i don't like being around negative people So I thought, you know, for the longest time I would just avoid certain relatives that I have because if I didn't like being around them, I would just avoid them and then I would feel guilt. I think we can all, you know, experience that, but I felt guilt for not wanting to be around this relative or particular relatives and then I would feel just as horrible being around them because I know that sometimes they could be miserable people and misery loves company. So I just kind of planted it firm in my mind, very firm, that I am not going to allow this negative relative to get me down the dumps. I'm not going to allow that. And so whatever comes out of their mouth, whether they realize it or not, I'm going to speak the goodness of God. 
Like it's not a Bible thumper situation. It's not. It's not one of those things where you go, "Well, God said this. God said this." That doesn't help anybody. It doesn't help me. It doesn't help them. It doesn't help our world to just think that we can just quote the Bible and think that that's going to bring people to Christ when it's not. People are not impressed with memorization. They are impressed with good acts and kindness and a kind heart. and with mercy and forgiveness and things like that you know all the attributes and characteristics of a christian you know people want to see things that are beyond what's on paper basically like for example when a doctor has a an md degree basically people want to see okay you know you have this degree you are a medical doctor you have a license from the state to practice medicine but how good are you at it like you know the proof is in the pudding as they say so what i found interesting is that this relative that is was negative today. She's almost always negative. She always finds something bitter and negative to say about someone. So, the way that I know that I can help other people and also help myself, the way how how were this? The way that I can help myself is by helping other people. So that way it's not all about me. Cuz I think that when we make it all about ourselves, we can be very miserable, selfish, self-centered people. So when you make it about Christ and be Christ-like, then you actually care about the other person because I got to thinking about it, you know, if my relative really thinks that way about the elderly, you know, she must be a very negative individual and she is and she must not have a very good opinion of herself either because negative people, when they're negative about other people, they tend to be very negative towards themselves, which means they're not really experiencing much happiness, much less the goodness of God. So when I said that, about well why don't you just ask God to heal them take it up in prayer then it won't be a problem God you know God can heal you know it's and it was just a simple just a simple sentence it wasn't a lecture it was just something simple and I saw the light bulb come on her head and I know it's probably a small light bulb because here's the thing when you're around negative people it it can be very difficult to break through that brick wall of their mindset where they think that their mindset is the correct way nobody else's is. Like she's basically got blinders on and she's only going to look in this one particular direction even if it's the wrong direction. So it's not a matter of correcting someone, it's a matter of helping someone. And it's important to help others realize the goodness of God in this world but also within ourselves. Like we're supposed to let our light shine and the way I look at it is is if if someone is being negative are they reflecting the goodness of Christ no if someone is looking down on someone else because they're in their 80s is that reflecting the light of Christ no nowhere in the bible does it say that it's okay to be disrespectful to the elderly or that it's okay to put them down or make fun of them if anything it very much speaks against that meaning god doesn't like that he does not approve of it meaning he disapproves of it so It's one of those things to to walk in the love of Christ means that we have to love everybody even the even the unlovable. And what's interesting is that you know this negative relative that I have, I have several negative relatives but this one is more around my age but um it's one of those things it's almost like they think because they're not old that they're better than the elderly. So they kind of give them they give themselves permission to say negative things and just kind of go with a worldly viewpoint that you know once you've reached today once you've reached a certain age it's all downhill there's nothing to live 
However, if they were 80-something years old, how much do you want to bet that you know, they would not like being treated like that or talked about like that? And if anything, they would probably greatly appreciate someone praying for them. Because I remember this one time, I was part of this church a while back, and we went to go sing to the elderly at nursing homes. And even though I don't like nursing homes, I can't stand them. They smell gross. They look gross. I felt sorry for the people that live there. So I went, even though I didn't really like the environment, I went to bring joy to those people. So it wasn't about me. It was about them and bringing the light of Christ to them. Because, you know, some of these people were believers in a nursing home. Some were not. But regardless of whether they believed in Christ or not, or regardless of what denomination they were, it meant a lot to them that young people were coming to see them and to and that you know we don't have to know them personally to come see them and to sing to them and this is way pre-covid but it really meant a lot to these people to not feel forgotten i think sometimes in our society especially in the american society we tend to forget people over a certain age because we think well if you can't do the same things as me then you're not as relevant That's what I'm noticing in our society and I bet that's not anything new but it just kind of seems like it's at a rampant pace right now where we have like one generation pitted against another and it's usually how I word this Well both generations I think young and old they both like to think they know more than the other and I think that's a problem within both generations Because I've met smart people of all ages. I've also met dumb people of all ages. I don't think it has anything to do with age. What I do wish more people would do is actually read the Bible and read the goodness of God and know that God does not practice favoritism. You know, he is no respecter of persons. So that means we are all equal in his eyes and we are all called to serve the same God, believe in the same Jesus Christ, which means that I'm not better than you and you're not better than me. So we're equals even though we have two totally different lives, we're two totally different people. We may have two totally different beliefs that, you know, that lead us to Christ. We may be a part of two totally different churches. But God loves us both equally. And what I know is with this one relative I have that can be very negative, they have almost always thought they're better than most people and they're very bossy. Like th- this person they they have a few leadership qualities but really they just want to take over things and they want to be bossy. And then people don't want to be around them and you know what this this person that I know, this relative I know, they have never gotten promoted to a management position even though that is what they have always wanted because they want to be in charge of everything. But what they don't realize is that they do not have the characteristics of a good leader. They just want to be in charge. Well, you know, that just reminds me of that phrase too many chiefs not enough Indians. And this this relative I have, they have worked for several different companies and each time they have tried to get promoted and they have never been promoted because they have a behavior problem. And I think a lot of behavior problems, at least from what I have seen in in my in my life work is that One of the biggest problems is that people are not really practicing their faith. Like they can say they're Christian, but they're not acting Christian. It's like it's like they're only Christian on Sunday. When being a Christian means you're a Christian all 7 days of the week. And maybe that comes down to just a choice. 
Other times I think it could be the type of indoctrination that people are getting that hey Sundays are really the most important day that's when you really need to act good if you mess up during the week then you know just pray about it and ask God to forgive you but just know that Sunday is the most holy day. Well, I've actually met a woman that kind of thought that way and it was really disturbing and I couldn't I mean you couldn't hardly trust this woman that I worked with. She was shady, um fickle, um she would put you down. And she got in my face one day. We were closing. I was working retail, and she got in my face, and she tried to lecture me about the Sabbath. But yet she treated me like dirt whenever we worked together. So it's kind of like she was giving herself permission to treat everybody else like trash or dirt on the other six days of the week. But that Sabbath day, she really supposedly valued that Sabbath day. So that's when she was supposedly nice. which she really wasn't nice. She was fake. She was a hypocrite. Um at this time she was shacked up with a guy. I think eventually they became engaged. She didn't really like his mother. I don't even know if the mother-in-law really liked her. Um I think they came from two totally different walks of life and two totally different cultures. As far as I know, they got married and are still married and have a couple kids. But also um she had this she worked part-time in retail, but then she had a, a full-time job. um in some kind of office and she was very pompous and arrogant about her job and that she liked to brag to us that she didn't actually have to work a part-time job because she made so much money. She was very much a braggart, she wasn't very humble, um she was not very pleasant to work with. If anything she made a point to mock me and my faith and how I believe in God and things like that and I was not the kind of person to just toot my horn all the time. That was that's typically not how I am. Like my actions speak louder than words, but she thought her words spoke louder than her actions. And in one way she was correct because her actions were pretty pathetic and horrible in how she treated people. And she just would I, I don't know how else to describe this, but we would be working together and she would just try and mock me. She tried to make the the work shift, uh the work time together just a a time to make fun of me and to mock me the entire time. and it was just really bizarre so i i couldn't stand working with her i mean i know that she can be nice because i've seen her be really nice to people that she likes but whenever she was on a tear she would almost always come to me be mean to me mock me for my faith she made it seem like her way of life was better which it was not if anything it was very unholy she was shacked up with a guy obviously sleeping with him obviously having premarital sex and then lecturing me about god and his holy day and the sabbath. And it's just it kind of remind me of that bible verse where you know you really shouldn't be criticizing your brother when you need to remove the beam out of your own eye first. But what was interesting was that she was criticizing me for things that were not wrong. She was criticizing me because she thought that either I wasn't holy enough or I was too holy or something. I don't know, it was really weird. It was like I couldn't do anything correct in her eyes based on the faith that I was practicing at the time even though it wasn't a competition I didn't really care. I did not enjoy working with her or being around her. But I just, you know, I kept my cool. I was always very kind to her because I knew that she was trying to bait me. That's the thing. Whenever someone trying to whenever someone tries to use your faith against you, just know they're setting you up for failure and they don't love you. and that they are the one with the behavior problem not you. You know, just let them spout their mouth off, you know, and just walk away, which most of the time I was able to walk away, sometimes I could not because we worked together. So, it's one of those things I had to really focus on the goodness of God 
and focus on forgiving this person like multiple times throughout our shift because she really was an evil person. I mean, I don't know if she still is. I pray that she has really returned to Christ and has asked for forgiveness and that she acknowledges what she did was wrong. And then also she couldn't stand it that I was friends with some with some higher ups or people that were considered popular within our organization. She would try and sabotage those relationships. She tried to make it seem like she was more popular or that she was better and all these things and it just got really old. It was it was really it was really sad because I just thought is that really all she's capable of? Like she claims to be a Christian, but she is really not. And I just thought, you know, if she were in the Israelites camp acting like that, you know, like being led out of Egypt and going to the promised land, she would have never seen the promised land because of her behavior. Because that's one of the reasons why the Israelites, the original people that left Egypt, not a single one of them made it into the promised land except for Joshua and Caleb and their families. Because all the other Israelites doubted God, they blasphemed, they um turned their back on God, they doubted God time and time again, they complained, they um went against Moses and Aaron they complained against them even though God was using Moses especially Moses to help them get out of Egypt these Israelites at at some points you know sometimes they were very ungrateful and other times they were so fearful that they would not walk in faith towards their promised land and other times they were just hateful to Moses and their behavior was the problem that's what this woman reminded me of her behavior was the problem she could actually be a really kind person but it it was her behavior choice and i just kind of thought you know over the over the time frame that we worked together i thought you know if if her behavior problem would stop she could actually be really good in the retail world and move up into into the corporate world of this retailer but because of her behavior problem she's never going to go to her promised land and so i often wondered if she's having those same problems at her other job because i thought you know If she were making a whole lot of money at her other job, she wouldn't be working in retail. Like she wouldn't have to do that. If she truly doesn't need this job, then why does she have this job? It's not just for the discount. So I I I find it interesting that some people they try and overcompensate for their inadequacies. And if anything when when we are believers in Christ Jesus, we don't have to compensate. We don't have to overcompensate either. We we don't have to do that because when we know who we are in Christ Jesus, it's not a competition with our fellow brothers and sisters in Christ Jesus. It's we're not competing against each other and we shouldn't be. Our enemy is the the evil one, Satan and his followers, which are fallen angels, these demons. Our enemy is not flesh and blood, but principalities. That's why we we fight with different types of weapons. That's why we we fight with the shield of Christ. That's why we don't fight our brothers and sisters with with force or with hostility or with bad language things like that because it you're actually yes it's your brother or sister that's being mean to you and cruel to you which is what she was doing to me but I knew that there was something else behind it because sometimes she would get this weird grin this evil look in her eye I'm like okay She's got a behavior problem because either she's got a demon in her or she's allowing a fallen angel to to drop ideas into her head without her realizing it that she is behaving in a very horrible vicious manner and none of us are called to act that way. 
None of us. But yet she loved to lecture me about God in the Sabbath. And she kind of reminded me of Satan in a way because Satan knows scripture. He quoted it to Jesus out in the desert. See, what people forget is that the devil knows the holy word of God. That's why he quoted it. Like even, I love it when Jesse Duplantis says this. He says, even the devil goes to church. And it's so true because the devil knows the holy word of God. He just doesn't want to believe in it. That's why he's an idiot. That's why he's so dumb. That's why every single one of us has the ability to conquer our fears, conquer our doubts, conquer our enemies. But it's not through our own doing. It's not through being human. It's through being Christ-like. That's what it means when it says, greater is he that is in me than he that is in the world. So the way that I kept my cool with this woman was I just focused on Christ. Like even when she was mocking me, because see, here's the thing. I knew that she wasn't mocking me personally, even though she really, she was, but she was actually mocking the Christ in me because she knew there was something different about me. And that's why she targeted me. She didn't target any of the other Christians because you know what? They weren't acting Christ-like, but she made a point to be mean to me. And she did everything she could to try and turn other people against me. She got a few people to turn against me, but that's their stupidity, not mine. And she tried to get people to be mean to me, to bully me about my faith. And she tried to pry into my private life and find out who I'm dating and if I have a boyfriend, if I'm getting engaged. And if I don't have a boyfriend, then nobody must want me. Like she was just, she could be really cruel because she liked to brag about this hot guy that she was dating. And he was just using her for sex. She was an easy lay. See, that's how stupid she was. She thought that she was bragging about how much this guy loved her. He didn't love her because if he loved her, he would not be having sex with her outside of wedlock. So I bet that's what his mother didn't like about her was that she was easy. Because from what I understood, from what she told me, I don't know why she told me this. She told me that um, her boyfriend or fiance or whatever came from a really strict background and that his mother did not like her. And I knew exactly why her mother, his mother did not like her. It's because she was an easy lay. She was just one of these easy Americans. Because he was either Middle Eastern or something. He's from another country. And I think eventually his mother came around to kind of liking her. I don't think she ever really respected her. But I think his mother wanted him to marry someone that was classy and that had not been sleeping around since a, since a young age, I guess. And she wanted him to marry a lady. Not someone that acts and talks and behaves like what she was behaving in or behaving like. And so she would tell me all this stuff and then she would put me down for not sleeping around, for not having a boyfriend, for not, uh, for not shacking up with someone, you know, for not having someone. She'd always kind of throw in my face, oh, I thought you would have had, I thought you would have had someone by now or some, some stupid statement like that. And it's just like, you know, I don't have to talk about my personal life. I'm here for work and I've actually got some work to do, but thank you for your concern about my private life. But I think I can handle it, you know, and if I need help, I'll, I will ask God, but you know, I, I don't really need your advice, but thank you for your concern, which I knew she wasn't really concerned. She just wanted to brag. Well, look at it this way. Braggarts are often very foolish because what they don't realize is that when they're bragging they're actually conveying a lot about their lifestyle and they're actually revealing secrets about themselves that they don't realize what they are revealing. 
And I just wondered if the guy she was dating would have wanted her talking like that in a very public place in retail. And, you know, employees could hear it, coworkers could hear it, customers could hear it. And customers were not falling for her behavior issues, her problems. I don't know how she ever really sold anything, but I mean, she must have convinced somebody. But it just really it's one of those things where you have to pray for people like that because that's what we're called to do. So even though she did everything she could to make me miserable and I was always weary of her whenever she would be nice to me because I was like okay if she's being nice that means she's about to be really mean and cruel because that was her behavior that was her pattern of behavior. She'd be really mean then really nice, really cruel then really nice. She was so fake. But it was always about her and it's just like you know like I just show up to work and I I worked full time in retail at this particular time. And she really liked to rub it in my face that I was working full-time retail and that at the time I didn't have a good cushy office job like she did. But I just thought, you know, I was so grateful that I didn't work with her at the office she worked at because I don't think I could have stood it. I don't think I could have stand working with her because of her behavior problem and her her personality was just really abrasive and weird. And um she just wasn't normal. See that's what I was talking about earlier in a previous podcast where just because someone's married that doesn't mean they're better than single people and that doesn't mean that they're normal. Most of the people I've met that are weird are married. And the reason why is because they marry people that are just as weird as them, if not worse. Because you tend to attract someone similar to you. It's not always the direct opposite. Like people may think that they're just always marrying an opposite like a talker as opposed to someone that's shy. It goes beyond that. Because misery loves company, so then when I met her boyfriend, he wasn't really that nice of a person. I thought, you know, this is why they make a good match, unfortunately. But I do think that if they truly gave their life to Christ and turned over a new leaf, I think their marriage would completely fail because I think they would realize they married the wrong people. They should have never married each other. They should have never had kids together, and that they are definitely not really a match when when they grow together. in Christ. Cuz sometimes that's what happens with marriages. Sometimes that's why marriages fail is that they these people there's some people they should have never been married to begin with. They should have well or they should have never been married to the person they're married to. Cuz sometimes you'll find that when people give their lives to Christ and they start growing in their faith, they realize they married the wrong person. Or maybe they're dating the wrong person, which if you're dating the wrong person, that's a way easier fix, just dump them and move on. But sometimes relationships don't work out because what Jesus does, he calls us to a better version of ourselves. And it's when we realize who that better version is of ourselves, that's when we realize what we're really supposed to be doing in our life. See, that's how Jesus calls us to him and how we let the light of Christ shine forth out of us. We basically let it shine out of our soul, which is, you know, we are the the tabernacle of Christ. That's why our bodies are supposed to be kept holy. And for those that don't understand what holy means, holy doesn't mean that you become a nun or a priest, not by any means. If anything, I hardly ever meet a nun or a priest that's actually happy. Sorry, nun or priest that's actually happy. They're usually almost always miserable. So I would not suggest becoming a nun or a priest by any means. but to be holy means that you just follow God's holy word and that that you follow his commandments and that you believe in him. You know, people often think that being holy means you never have sex. That's not true. God created sex. 
And if people were not getting married and procreating, we wouldn't have a population. You know, when God blesses your marriage, which I would strongly suggest that that you get your marriage blessed, and that doesn't mean you go to a priest or anything. You can, but you know, if you're not Catholic, I for sure wouldn't go, but um you can ask someone, you know, your 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 preacher, your pastor to speak a favor or to speak a blessing over your marriage. Because God wants to bless you, and we see that all throughout the Bible, but especially in the Old Testament. Whenever someone is walking in the blessing and has the favor of God, he always says to follow his word, follow his commandment, be blessed, multiply, subdue the earth. So if anything, this this may sound shocking to people, but you know, it's a blessing from God to be able to get married and to procreate. And that doesn't just mean to have children. Procreation is not just only to have children because that would be like treating someone like a farm animal. Procreation is is more than just producing a child. It's love making. Our heavenly Father created us so that we could make love. That that was one of our first and foremost jobs as the human race was for one man, one woman to come together in the sacrament of marriage and to procreate. whether or not you have a kid you know you're not always going going to produce a child every time you have sex so obviously that tells me that there is more to sex than just the biological sense of it but when you take god out of the equation then that's when sex becomes mechanical and it it's no longer seen as a gift from god it's no longer seen as a blessing And so that's why this one woman I worked with was so miserable. She was actually a miserable human being on the inside. Because she knew that she was living outside God's covenant, the sacrament of marriage. And that's why both of them were miserable because it's one of those things like if you cause someone else to sin, that's a greater sin than actually sinning because if you know it's wrong, and you're trying to bring someone down to your level of sin then technically your sin is just as great if not greater because you're causing one of God's sheep to stumble and fall and Satan loves it when we stumble and fall he loves it when we use things out of God's timing when we when we take things and manipulate it and pervert it and take it out of God's covenant and people don't want to hear that. They 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 want to just be given permission to do what they want when they want how they want. But that's not the calling on our lives. So when I'm talking about living in holiness, it means to simply believe in God and follow God and believe in Jesus Christ. It really is that simple. And just know in your heart and your soul what you're supposed to do and what you're not supposed to do. I think sometimes we make it so complicated that we just make ourselves miserable. And I think that one way to really bring down the number of unwanted pregnancies and really lower the number numbers of sexually transmitted diseases is to really encourage people to wait till they're married to have sex. Wait till you're married. Cuz that's when it's supposed to happen. Because when you're married to one man, one one man to one woman, 
then, then you can't possibly bring in a sexually transmitted disease because neither of you are sleeping around. And I think that, you know, it's a blessing to, to find your one true love. I think we've gotten out of communion with God so bad that we forget that God wants to bless us with a wonderful spouse. You know, if you're a man listening to this and you want a wife, ask God for a beautiful wife and be very specific what you want in a wife. God loves you. He will bring you the right woman. If you are a woman and you want a husband, ask God to bring you a husband and be very specific because that's the blessing. And what's interesting is that when I was working with this woman that was just doing everything wrong, I th- I just thought, you know, if she would just do the direct opposite of what she's doing, she would be so abundantly happy and have a way better life. But number one, I knew she wasn't going to listen to me, so I just prayed for her. But I just thought it was odd and interesting at the same time that if she would just truly follow Christ and just basically just pull a George Costanza from Seinfeld and just do the opposite of what you do, because if everything you do is wrong, then the opposite of what you do will be correct. I mean, that was a really funny episode in Seinfeld, but I mean, it it kind of rings true here. You know, when you live in the goodness of God, it's not meant to make your life miserable. It's to bless you far above and beyond anything and everything you have ever known. And when you believe in the goodness of God and you believe in God the Father, the Son and the Holy Spirit, you have nothing to lose and everything to gain. And I say go for it. be who god wants you to be and be specific in your prayers so that way you know what to look forward to and also that way you know when your prayer has been answered because i think when people just lift up these wimpy just generic prayers oh lord bless me and anything and everything that's a wimpy pathetic prayer to me because you're you're not taking the time to be specific and it's kind of insulting to god and to yourself Because I look at it this way, when people go to McDonald's, they don't just say, "Oh, I'll just take anything on the menu. Just ring it up." They were like, "No, you have to tell us which one you want because we don't want to give you something and then you say, "Oh, I don't like this." Like you need to be specific. Like if 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 you know what you want at a restaurant or if you know what you want at a job and what you want to get paid, then every one of us, every single one of us should be that specific with God because he cares. and he wants to hear from us. And some people will say, "Oh, well that's just turning God into a, you know, a, a genie, you know, or a, or a slot machine god." Not at all. That is not that at all. I think Christianity has fallen for some lies from the devil, and it it's it's encouraged Christians to be quiet and to shut them up. and to not go to God with their specific requests because that's what Satan wants. He wants us to be quiet. He wants us to be as generic as mellow as much as we can live in the gray area. That's where Satan wants us, but that's not where Christ wants us. Not at all. He wants us to believe in him and him alone, Jesus Christ. He wants us to be followers of Christ. And Jesus wants to answer your prayers. He wants to take your prayers and petitions to his heavenly Father. I just think it'd be really weird if Jesus were to take your prayer, your general prayer, and his heavenly Father goes, "What do they want?" And Jesus says, "I don't know. They just have this general prayer, and so I, I don't really know. I mean, 
I know what they need, but they're not asking for it. I know what they want, but they're not asking for it. I mean, it's like going to a bank and you say you want a hundred dollars, and the teller says, "How do you want it?" And you say, "Oh, I don't know." And the teller says, "Okay, well, I'll just give you five twenties." And then so they give you five twenties, and you go, "Well, that's not what I wanted." And the teller will say, "You said you didn't care how you want it, or it didn't matter." When actually it does matter, because it did matter. It's the same thing when you go to your heavenly Father in prayer. Be specific, because when you are specific, then you are acknowledging what is close and dear to you to your heart. Because what is close and dear to your heart, Jesus takes that very seriously. It doesn't make him a genie. Not at all. It means he's your shepherd. Like for example, if one of Jesus's sheep says, "I need water," would Jesus say, "No, I'm not giving you that." He would take you immediately to water. If one of Jesus's sheep said, "Hey, I need to get out of the rain," do you think Jesus would say, "Why are you being specific? Why don't you just deal with it? Why do you come to me with this specific request?" Jesus never treats any of his sheep like that, but yet the world will tell you he will treat you like that. Misinformed Christians will tell you he treats people like that, but that's not true. Not at all. For example, look at King David. All throughout the Psalms, he is very specific when he is writing those Psalms. Some of them are praises, some of them are prayers. Actually, all of them are a form of prayer, but some of them are praises, some are prayer requests. Some of them are are uh, basically follow-ups or reports of the goodness of God that God has blessed him with something. Other times, David, King David, is apologizing to God for his failures. Lord, forgive me, make me a better man, that kind of thing. That's how God wants to deal with us because He loves us. Because you know, if anything, I think King David is a really good example of a man that is literally. A man after God's own heart. We should be after God's own heart, and God wants to hear from you. He wants to hear about everything. Like for example, if you want a new washing machine, look up online, go to Lowe's.com or HomeDepot.com, and look up the make and model and what you want, and don't go cheap. We serve a rich and wonderful, prosperous, very blessed God because He wants to bless us. Like God is not broke. You're not going to break His bank account because He has an endless bank account, basically, because He operates in the currency of heaven, which is always abundance, above and beyond over what you could ever imagine. So let's say you need a washing machine. I would look up online the washing machine that you want. And then I say go expensive, go for the top of the line, go for what you really dream and what you really want, and then watch God help you get that washing machine. One way or another, you will get that washing machine. Mark my words. You take it to God and you stand on your faith that that washing machine is coming to you, and it's because of the goodness of God. You will get that washing machine. Some people may laugh at this, but I tell you what, it's not laughable because it's serious. God wants to know what we want, what we need, what is close to our heart, because what is close to my heart is not close to your heart, and vice versa. 
Like my requests are completely different than yours, and your requests are completely different than mine. So I'll say this in close. Regardless of whether we're dealing with people that are 80 or 90 or 10 or 12 or 20, we should always want what's best for them. And if we see something in their life that does not reflect the, the goodness of God, like it's not God's best, then we should immediately pray for them. Not make a big deal about it, but just lift up a prayer for them. So whenever I'm around people that can't hear or maybe their memory isn't that good, doesn't matter what age, I pray that God heal them of that immediately and that they have amazing hearing and amazing memory. excellent eyesight and if they're broke i pray they get an amazing job or they come into a lot of money they win the lottery if they need a new washing machine i pray they get a new washing machine if they need new carpet like for example i think it's interesting when people invite me over to their house and their house is so hideous and so ugly and it's horrible hasn't really been cleaned that's when i start lifting up some big prayers for them Because I, in my head, I just start thinking, okay, they need a new this, a new that, a new this, a new that. And so I just start lifting up all these prayers to God for these people to be abundantly blessed. So that they have the best of everything, not the worst of everything. Because I look at it this way. If I was in their situation and I had a really hideous, ugly house, bad appliances, and it just, you know, just having people over just to... You have fellowship, but I know what my house looks like, you know, if I was in their situation. It would really warm my heart if people were praying for me that I that God give me a better house and provide for me a better house. Give me better appliances and that someone took the time to lift up those kind of prayers because those prayers matter. And it's not something that you have to tell them you prayed for them because I I hardly ever tell people I prayed for them. Cuz to me that's arrogance and pompousness. Oh, I saw how hideous and ugly your house is, so I prayed for you. That's how pompous and inconsiderate that is. Because it's making it about me, 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 me. But when you when you really care about people, you're not making it about you. You're making it first of all about God and his goodness and his glory and secondly you're making it about the person that you're praying for or praying about and their situation. Like the best way I can describe it is us praying for other people that's like us being the telephone lines on a telephone pole we're the ones that are helping to send prayers to the electric company which is God. in this analogy and then he provides them with a phone line and with the power to receive a phone call does that make sense like other believers that care about you are the ones that are faith intercessors when someone is intercessing for you cuz sometimes we need other people to pray for us sometimes we ask for intercessory prayer sometimes we do not It's rare that I ask someone specifically to pray for me. But I do know that some people have been praying for me and I'm so grateful for that. So regardless of what age we are, we need to view ourselves as happy, healthy and whole, that we are all young at heart, forget the past, move forward to the future and always honor God in everything. in everything and just focus on his goodness and his glory because then it takes away the sting 
of not liking your situation or not liking where where you are. And that's what I got out of the book of Deuteronomy because I'm I'm actually going through the book of Deuteronomy right now through my King um in my King James Bible. And I just love it. Deuteronomy is one of my favorite books for sure. And I'm learning like it's so interesting like I'm looking at it a different way than I have before and it's drawing me even closer to God. And I just thought, you know, That is such a wonderful thing about the Bible is that I can read this so many times and every single time I get something new out of it. And God keeps drawing me closer and closer to himself. And that brings me so much joy. Because every time I read the Bible, I learn something new that I didn't know before. See, that's the goodness of God. He enlightens the mind. He comforts the soul. he heals the brokenhearted that is the love of our heavenly father given to you and to me so until next time i'll go ahead and end this podcast but until next time i pray that you're happy healthy and whole that you have a wonderful day and a wonderful week thank you so much bye bye